0: Sometimes and sometimes normal. On this episode, my guest is Adithya Varasane. Adithya is the founder and CEO of Awareity. We have a fascinating conversation about marketing in general, but for Awareity's case specifically, the small to mid-sized business looking to capitalize on growing their clientele. As with all my shows, I was able to dive into some strange topics. Adithya wasn't fully sure if our electronic overlords were always listening to us. Spoiler alert, they usually are. Check the show notes for a news article about a suspected murderer having his Alexa voice recording record subpoenaed. We also discussed if companies can market their products to us close to real-time based on our conversations, how commercial and streaming channels can be specifically marketed to. You could be watching the same show as your neighbor, and both will have different commercials. Maybe I'm behind on how technology interacts with us based on our available data, but learning that was fascinating. Give Adethea and Awerity a follow and let them know you heard them on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email brianmccoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And today, my guest is Adathea Varanasi. He is the founder and chief executive officer at Awarity. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you tell me a little bit about your business? What uh what you like to do?
1: Yeah, so we are in advertising for for small businesses. You know, when you think about mass market advertising, it's generally reserved for big companies that have big budgets that can cover huge geographies. But a lot of smaller local businesses, they tend to rely solely on Meta and Google because those are the only real localized ad solutions that are that are out there print is very limited. There's some local publications that can be effective, but it's limited. Billboards can be very expensive. Cable TV generally goes across the full DMA. So imagine you've got a restaurant that maybe serves people within five miles of where you're located. There aren't a lot of solutions to reach the masses outside of Meta and Google. And the limitations with Meta and Google are Meta is only advertising while you're in their ecosystem, and less than half of social media users are on the platforms daily. And so I know people believe, hey, I'm in social media. I'm there all the time. That's where everybody is. It's easy in marketing to get biased to our own personal behavior. But the data shows people aren't on their social platforms every day. I, I don't think I signed on over the holidays more than three, four times in total because I was taking a little break. And so if you wanted to reach me with advertising about your local restaurant to get me out there, you would have missed me. You wouldn't have been able to reach me. Google, most of Google's success comes through search. And so it's only at that time when people are searching. But if you actually go look at search volume, it's pretty low. And so it's really effective by no means. Both of these can be incredibly effective ad tools, but neither is a silver bullet. Consumers need to see an average of seven times before they take action. A lot of small businesses have kind of been left behind because they don't have a way to reach a large portion of their target customer base at an affordable price point. That's where awareness comes in. Um, we take some. We took some existing ad technology, built our own automation and AI around it to get small businesses hyper-efficient advertising that can reach people where they spend the most time online, which is on websites, but then also on streaming TV with non-skippable thirty-second commercials.
0: I like those. My question for you, and you answer: Like, how would somebody have reached you over the holidays with your one? How did you only log in four times on social media? I, I, I take that mental. I'm not going to do this while I'm on break and. Sometimes I stick and other times are a little harder.
1: For maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but the point is I wasn't on there all the time and I wasn't
0: on there very often.
1: We were doing stuff where, and I also, you know, it's just, there's other stuff to do.
0: It's amazing when you get stuck in that world, how there's nothing else to do. And then you break free and you're in real life and you're outside and you're with your family and friends and everything. And you're like, why do I spend so much time doing this?
1: Yeah. No, it, exactly. It's uh, like my kids last night. You know, the, over the holidays they've been working on their basketball game. They've been reading. They've been doing a bunch of different things. Yesterday we let them have a little bit of video game time, and all of a sudden everything else was gone. They didn't want to practice basketball. They didn't want to. They didn't want to do any of the other stuff. The second we gave video game time, was like the dopamine trigger, and that's that's where they were. And I think that's that's a lot of a lot of things in life.
0: Yeah, that's tough. Uh, my kids the same thing on break. I had video games growing up. You know, Nintendo came out when I was young. And but I still felt like I mixed in the real world. And here, if you give the kids now, I mean, their real world switches from the iPad to the switch and then like to streaming and to them, that's like three different things. I'm like, no screen time, like turn off the screen time. Yes, exactly. So they would not be good for your advertisements here if you were trying to do that. That's as I'm trying to parent over them.
1: (laughs) That's right. I don't think we should advertise the kids anyway, so.
0: No, that's uh, I I find that's a little slimy. And we're going to jump back into the topic on hand, but I also find the video games you know, now that they have, you know, the science of of the brains and the mapping, and then, you know, if you can flash this color here, if you can change the screen here, it's going to guarantee five more seconds of attention here. And, you know, when it was Pong and then just Super Mario Brothers, I don't think that brain was mapped like that for them to do this. And it was more of just like the interest of the game. We're here. could be the worst game in the world. My kids are drooling on themselves. I'm like, what are you doing? This doesn't even make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what changed. I don't ever feel like I was addicted as a kid. I would rather be outside and video games is kind of the backup. So with being outside, how, what, how did this lead to you finding this company? So, you know, I spent my career at PepsiCo. I started as an engineer working on new product development in the R&D group. That's where I first got exposed to the marketing side of things. I, you know, had a good fortune to work with some brilliant marketers on developing new products and attended focus groups, saw how they thought about positioning, pricing, Retail activation. I thought this is really fascinating, and I think what what drew me to it was the fact that there's no one right answer. You know, it's it's the center of multiple considerations from financial to consumer to competitive to business to market share to manufacturing to distribution to retailer, and there are so many degrees of freedom. I, I, it, what attracted me is there's always something to learn and something to improve upon. So I went and got my MBA, rejoined PepsiCo into in the marketing group on the Frito-Lay side. And it was there that I learned the, the power of good advertising. And look, to me, the purest intent of good advertising is marrying a customer need with a product that can benefit, that can meet that need. Now, you used the word slimy earlier, and but good advertising is about helping people's lives, matching them with a the product that can help make their life just a little bit better. And everything should be in moderation. It, it should never be about overconsumption, whether it's food or video games or anything. But things in moderation can play a positive a positive role. Sometimes I'll play a video game and it just distracts my brain, forces me to focus on something else and gives me a little reset. And so that, to me, is the role of, of advertising. But I saw how it can be effective in helping businesses grow. One of the things I noticed when I was working on the Cheetos brand is when we had TV advertising running and a pricing discount, we would see greater sales lift for the same pricing discount when TV was running versus when it wasn't running. And it goes back to this old school science that was before we had computers that consumers need to see an average of seven times before they take action. And if the product is relevant, if you're reaching the right people with a message that helps them, and you're managing the frequency, that's that's good marketing. You don't want to oversaturate any individual with the same ad. You don't want to undersaturate. You just want to educate. It's an opportunity to educate them. Like there's a res- there's restaurants I never would have heard of if it wasn't for marketing. Restaurants that we love, and it's a nice treat once a month to go to. So the the point being, that's the purest form of marketing. And, and when I saw the impact of that top of funnel awareness building on kind of the brass tacks types of marketing, like pricing discounts, it made me realize, hey, there's a real opportunity to help these small businesses that don't have that same opportunity. So I left PepsiCo. I joined a private equity firm. Uh, It was in the insurance space. I was hired to run this firm. And I tried to apply that PepsiCo playbook. And I saw how hard it was to build that brand awareness in an affordable, efficient way for the reasons we talked about earlier. So I parted ways with that firm and started Awarity with the mission to help small businesses. So we talked a
0: little bit Frito-Lays, so Chester Cheetah, right? So I have to see him seven times before I'm in, you know, the shop yeah. right or the local grocery yeah. store until it like finally clicks in my brain, like, oh, I need to get yeah. Cheetos. I need I need yeah. to do this.
1: Does that still hold true now for the digital marketing? Look, I don't, I don't think I don't think you could say it's an exact seven. There's low involvement purchases, there's high involvement purchases. You're gonna need to see a car commercial a lot more times than you are a potato chip or a Cheeto commercial. But that adage does generally hold true. You know, thumb thumb in the air, it does kind of hold true that people need to see you enough times to stick, but the message has to be relevant. We're exposed to 4,000 plus ad messages a day. There's no way I remember 4,000 ads that I saw yesterday. The one or two that I'm going to remember are the ones that resonated with something that can help make my life a little better. How do you focus on that with your company for small businesses? Yeah. So, you know, I think first thing is we localize it or we make it hyper-targeted. So it doesn't mean we just run local advertising. We work with larger companies too that advertise more broadly, but we may only advertise around retail distribution areas. So rather than buying all of Dallas-Fort Worth, and I'll mention Dallas-Fort Worth because that's the, the media market we're in we can isolate where maybe the hundred stores are and only advertise in that area around those hundred stores so you're saving saving money we can apply that to a single location small business So first thing is the geolocate then secondly is try to find the most relevant customers so if it's a upscale restaurant let's maybe isolate individuals that are above a certain income profile and we can do that just using the census data saying hey in these zip codes you have more people in that income profile we could target certain websites that over-index with specific demographics. And this is all privacy-free targeting. We're not intruding on everyone's privacy. We're only advertising along content that's relevant or in geographies where it's relevant. There's no individual data being utilized with this.
0: So you mentioned uh, targeted TV ads, you know, the 30 seconds you can't fast forward through, things like that. So uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, I'm, I'm not familiar with all the suburbs there, but uh, I'm sure there's, there's the higher end. You, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tax brackets and then like some some lower ones. If you're doing this high end restaurant that typically somebody in a higher tax bracket might go visit that one. How do you get that on their TV as opposed to just the general? I'm, I'm not sure the cable provider is or streaming main provider. You know, we have Comcast yeah. over here. Like how does Comcast whittle down that they just want to target, you know, the, the four A neighborhoods in this area versus, you know, some B's and C's and, and whatever else it might be.
1: So the way that we do, I can't speak to exactly how Comcast does it, but the way that we do it is, we'll again do the same zip code geolocation. So for example, we worked with a car dealership recently and they said, hey, our buyers come from 10 miles east, but we don't go west. We don't have any buyers west of our dealership. They may come from about seven miles north and about three miles south. And we're able to set up a custom GEO that met that we're able to figure out the zip codes that met that criteria. And we could see clearly from the demographics why that was the case for that particular dealership. And so first thing we'll do is we'll we'll again, geolocate and find where the zip codes that meet the income profile within their service area. And then secondly, you know, these streaming providers do have there is data. Um, It's again, anonymized data. So there's no individual information that we're ever exposed to. But we could say, hey, we want to target households with kids because it's a family-friendly restaurant. So we can serve ads to those households with kids within those zip codes that meet the profile. So this is like during a streaming service? I, I guess I'm yes. just confused on, on how yeah, this message so is like, getting out. Yeah, like through Pluto TV or a little bit on Hulu or Tubi or Roku. Roku has hundreds of channels. Through services like that, we can we can serve non-skippable 30-second commercials.
0: That's fascinating.
1: That So we
0: just started re-watching Schitt's Creek on uh, whatever the streaming platform, they're not paying me anyway. It doesn't matter for me to mention them. Uh, but we just start rewatching Shit's Creek, and then you know it feels like every minute there's a thirty-second commercial. I'm gonna start of paying attention to it tonight or tomorrow, and we'll watch the next episode. Uh, it just never really—I just assumed it was kind of Comcast putting it out there, wherever it might be. But my neighbor ten miles
1: away could be watching a different commercial than me. Exactly, your neighbor next door could be watching a different commercial than you. It depends on the oh. provider and 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 how they're selling their inventory. So. Every, you know, Some of the bigger players like Hulu and Netflix, they prefer to sell direct to larger businesses. And that's why you'll see a lot more commercials from certain brands on those apps. But then Pluto TV, you're going to see a much more diversified mix. Tubi, you're going to see a much more diversified mix that's localized because they're making it accessible on what's called the open ad exchanges.
0: Wow. I, d- I didn't realize that. You know, there was a few years ago, you know, you would hear the story. I, I was talking about a snowblower in April with my wife looked up nothing. The next day I'm getting emails from Home Depot and uh, Rogan had a, a podcast around that time. And I forget if it was Zuckerberg or somebody was on, I know, maybe Zuck didn't make it on there, but it was like, we don't have that ability. We don't have that capability to target market like that. Like everybody knew at that time, like you did, you would say something and then on your phone it would pop up and you're like, it's just, how's everybody having this like same coincidence
1: that this is happening? Well, that's, it's the just, Home Depot example is a little different. You were probably logged in or you had logged in on that device so they knew that device belonged to you. And then they can see your browsing behavior. And they said, hey, Brian was looking at a snowblower. Let's email him about it the next day. Because that's their website. That's their first party data. If you were logged in, especially, they can see what you were looking at. So retail retail can go one step further with some of that. Because that's their own website. They can track. And if you have a login there, they know exactly what you're doing. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I don't have a clear memory if I was in there or not, or if I was just thinking that the you know the phone's tracking me, whatever it might be. But it is, qu- it is fascinating how quick they can turn that around, I guess, with everything being AI and automated.
1: Well, I will tell you, there's another another phenomenon. One of the questions that I get most commonly at a dinner party or wherever when people find out what industry I'm in, they're like, hey, is, is Siri listening to me? Is Alexa listening to me? And my first answer is, I don't know. But what they say is, hey, there, I was just talking about something that I saw an ad for it. And I said, "What's more likely?" Because I don't see any option to say, "Oh, target what people are talking about based on Siri or Alexa." That's not that's not an option in advertising that we have access to, and we have a fairly good pulse of what's out there. It's not to say it's not being done, but we don't. I've never seen it. It's more the phenomenon of you see four thousand ads a day. You're going to notice the ones most relevant. So if you were just looking at a snowblower, it is entirely possible they just happened because it was winter or winter was coming. And they knew that's the time they sell snowblowers. They had an email that was already scheduled months ago to come out and you were just noticed it because you were just looking at it too. That's entirely possible. So people wonder, hey, I was talking about something I saw an ad. It's much more likely that either you visited that website and you were retargeted from, that, from visiting that site or you just noticed it because it's top of mind and relevant. So out of those 4,000 ads you saw a day, that one stuck out because it was already on your mind. It just reinforces all that, the power of seven.
0: Yeah, I forget the phenomenon that whatever it was, go. I never see a red Tesla. And then you go outside and you see 10 red Teslas in the day. But because your brain wasn't processing (laughs) to look for them. Then once it's there, you're like, oh, they're all over the place. Yeah, so that's fascinating. And as for Alexa, there was a news story that there was a murder trial. A husband murdered his wife and they subpoenaed the Alexa records and the entire murder was recorded on there. Hmm. So I doubt he said, "Hey, Alexa, maybe it's psycho." You know, like, "Hey, Alexa, record this." But uh, you know, for her not listening, sometimes it does seem that maybe she is listening. Yeah, just weird stuff.
1: Yeah, I yeah. can't. I, I don't know what they do or don't do.
0: Yeah. So, how did you get started here so with PepsiCo, your Frito Lay? You go to this, you know, other firm, and then you decide you want to start your own and, and really help people here. Do you have this computer background? Is this all through marketing that you you've done all of this, or were you? I mean, it's not computer nerd anymore. You know, this is. People run the world. You know, is, is this like what you did growing up? You were just in there tinkering and
1: figuring this stuff out. I, you know, I was a little bit of a. I'm proud to say it. I was a little bit of a nerd. You know, in the early days in high school, we had a really old computer that was all we could afford. But I set up a bulletin board as a you know freshman or sophomore in high school. Bulletin board was a precursor to the internet. So it's like early stage website where you would dial in. You can get content. You could play games. You could do different things. I set one up completely on my own and and ran it and we had people visit it i just you know having grown up i think fairly low income and not exposed to entrepreneurship not exposed to how do you raise money or how do you start a business i never thought about that i could have done it and i think that's what i loved when i was even at pepsico i always found myself i was at my best when i was innovating and doing something new and different and I think that culmination with the experience starting a new business with that private equity firm said, "Hey, I think I would, I'd like to give this a try." It just felt like a calling to go give a shot, and you know, fortunately, fortunately, it's worked out so far. Let's jump into the entrepreneurship for a second. So you say yeah. you, you grew up a
0: little bit of low income. You know, you get a job at PepsiCo. You know, you know, I don't know, maybe you hit seventy-five thousand or hundred thousand dollars you make, and that's like a that is a lot of money, but that's also like a fortune when you grew up with like nothing. You yeah. know. And, and but then you're like, hey, I want to run my own thing like who just gives money out? Like, so what what was your process for that? And like, how did you go about raising capital or getting investors or whatever you did?
1: You know, I think, I think the key, and, and people ask me that the key is find an immediate revenue stream. So we had, you know, we had saved up, we had some money put aside and we said, okay, we have this much, this much runway. We didn't raise any money in the early days. It was just about how do you, how do you get some revenue in the door? And the first, Gig wasn't even really this product or service. This is what I wanted to do, but it was a physical therapy studio that my my wife and I had had used. We knew the owner, and she needed a new website and she needed some advertising. And you know, I went in with my own camera, created some video content, interviews of the different of the different uh, therapists, created you know the website, put it together. It didn't pay a ton, but it was a little money in the door to help pay some bills and reduce the bleed, the bleed rate, and did that, did a few things like that. And then slowly started to build a business with a lot of manual process, semi-automatic process. So like an example is our monthly reports. Those first clients, what I would do is we manually created the campaigns, manually optimized the campaigns, then at the end of the month, filled out a spreadsheet, converted it to a PDF and sent it to clients, said, Hey, here's your monthly results. Then we eventually outgrew that where we had enough where we couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't do it manually. It was taking too long. And we figured out a semi-automatic way where we dumped it into all the data into a spreadsheet, then it autofilled each client's report. Then we went to an email system where we dumped it into an email system and it automatically generated the reports. That required a little bit of coding time from an email developer. Then we went to our first dashboard where you signed in. And you were able to, able to see your performance kind of on a daily basis. And at the end of the month, you got a recap. And then we and that was built on some exi- a hybrid of some custom software and some existing software. Then we went to our custom software dashboard earlier this year. Over several years, you could see how we iterated. We went from manual process that didn't require a lot of cash out of pocket. We just muscled through. Then when we had enough revenue, we invested in the next thing. When we had enough revenue, we invested in the next thing. Kind of built it like Legos with an idea of where we wanted to be, but knowing we had to hit certain volume thresholds, revenue thresholds before we can get there.
0: Okay. Awesome. So let's use, you mentioned a car dealership and that could be one of your clients and they know that they're seven miles North and three miles West and all this stuff. Uh, they reach out to you and and they want to, they want help with marketing. Are you the soup, the nuts guy? Or are you sitting here with like, Hey, we'll have, uh, let's do a rodeo theme. Let's do husband and wife. Let's do young couple no, buying a car.
1: Good, good question. Um, you know, a lot of times our clients already have creative assets and a creative strategy. They have a logo. They have a messaging, a high-level messaging strategy, a point of distinction. So what we do is we help just translate it into that awareness-building medium. And so we'll produce an ad or we'll help produce a commercial, but a lot of times it's just editing their existing assets into something that's suited for that top-of-funnel stickiness on on awareness and, and put it together. Because they have logos, they have colors, they have pricing, they have everything. And that, that's what we learned was the problem wasn't getting that. The problem was how do you use that to reach the masses in an affordable way? So that's where we're focused right now.
0: I don't know the marketing schedule of of large companies or whatever, but like Home Depot might have like, you know, the winter campaign that they're going to snow shovels and holiday decorations and things like that. And then they're going to come up the spring one the summer and like whatever else in between. These small to mid-sized businesses you're dealing with, is the goal of this commercial, of this marketing to be an extended period of time or what's the refresh rate for you going back to them?
1: Yeah, generally we look at evergreen Um, and I'll tell a story from when I was at at Frito-Lay. There was a Lay's ad that was shot sometime in the 2000s, and it was potato chips falling from the the sky, falling into a bowl, and a lady's just enjoying it alone. And then Frito-Lay made changes, and there was a commercial with farmers. There was a commercial with All Natural. There was a commercial about flavors and all these different things. Then they went back and tested the last several years of commercials. There's a new testing methodology to see how effective these commercials were. And they found that old one was actually the most effective. So they ended up just reshooting it with a new actress, some new shots, and that was it. It was basically the same commercial. And the moral of that story is a lot of times, because we're exposed to so many ads, that simplest, highest order message that sets apart the brand's distinction is the one that will break through. And so for the majority of our clients, you know, we do a lot of work in minor league baseball, as an example, work with over half of minor league baseball teams. And they also are very promotionally focused. Hey, we got Star Wars night. We got Unicorn night. We got Princess night. They want. And we said, just focus on your evergreen first. Just remind families they want to come out at least once or twice a summer to a ball game. And every team that embraces that, they're incredibly effective. Now, over time, once you've maximized kind of that highest order strategy, then yeah, businesses then maybe want to get into a little more granular. Like now we know Star Wars night is 10% of our season's attendance. So let's make sure that's big. And it forces you to prioritize. So you go from activity-based to, hey, where do you get the most synergy and the most bang for your buck at the highest level? And then when you're looking for more, that's when you start to get more granules. That's why you see companies like Home Depot are doing things very granularly throughout the year because they maximize that highest order piece. Now they're trying to fill in all the different cracks of needs that they can help with. And they're looking at what's the most impactful strategically and focusing there. And they're just going to continue to iterate on that versus a lot of smaller businesses. Their first priority is just that highest order. So, you know, we, we work with the bowling center and. Same thing, you know. they started with the highest order, now they're starting to pulse in some different things about corporate events or seasonal events or different things throughout the year. And as they've started to maximize that first one, now they wanna go to the next level. So I think it comes down to, in business, so much of it comes down to prioritization and choosing what to do versus what not to do. We have this habit of wanting to do everything, but if you focus on, hey, where's the greatest bang for the buck? It actually not only reduces costs, reduces workload, but allows us to execute those more important things in a in a more successful manner. So we
0: are living in the age of AI where you know, the future of AI is is now, is yesterday, and is tomorrow. <laughs> I was watching a, a video clip the other day of AI newscasters, and I kept waiting for me to see the AI people come on. And they were the AI people. It, yeah. was, it was very hard to distinguish who was real and who wasn't in, in this segment. And now there's AI generated pictures. And, uh, you know, they've had those for a while, but now one of the new technologies just came out and people are producing their own pictures, their own music tracks, all these things. Now, are they great? But no, they look pretty good for a marketing campaign. They look pretty good for a stock photo. Where do you see the future of marketing going with this technology coming out and just getting better by the day, by the minute and cheaper at the same time, too?
1: Yeah, I you know, I think there's a couple of principles that I think about this with. I think first is the definition of AI is is so broad you know, there are some people that anything that's got a micro regression is AI. And I don't think that's entirely wrong. And then there's the whole generative AI side, which is cataloging everything that's out there and using that as a template for future generation. But all of it is just processing data in different ways and doing different things with it. And it's different in that it's able to predict things that you couldn't otherwise predict. The way that I think about it, and I've I've talked about this on a few other podcasts recently when the question came up is, it's kind of like the early days of the internet. I know I'm going to date myself, but when the internet first came out, I think we all knew it was going to change our lives. We didn't know exactly how, but the businesses that succeeded and the use cases that really stuck were built around solving a very specific problem for the consumer that the technology could uniquely fulfill. So you take Amazon and the idea of the everything store. Well, Jeff Bezos didn't start by saying, hey, I'm just gonna sell everything on my version 1.0 website. He started with a focus on books and a very specific industry and niche. And he had specific reasons why he chose that vertical. And once he proved the model there, he was able to add and iterate. But what he did ultimately was solving a consumer need of making shopping and access more readily available at the convenience of your home. And I think you're gonna see the same thing Here with AI is there's use cases that meet needs, and as solutions are architected to meet needs, that'll be the foundation by which it's it's built upon. And so that's not exactly answering what it's going to do, but like our use case, for example, we're running hundreds, if not thousands, of campaigns at any given moment. The way media used to be purchased, like this, is you manually download a report. You drop it into Excel, you'd analyze it, and then you figure out what backend optimizations do I want to perform to get a greater impact out of this campaign. That's long and tedious, and every tactic of every campaign needs to be uniquely optimized. And if we use manual process to do that, there's no way our pricing could be $299 a month for a small business. No way. And it wouldn't be accessible. So we're using AI to process that data, and it can uniquely optimize each campaign based on the inputs we're seeing. So it can outperform a human buyer. That's a very, very narrow, specific use case. But now that we have that foundation, we can start looking at which tactics are more effective at bringing new users to our clients' websites and start optimizing around that. Then we can start looking at what pages on their website give them the best conversion flow or get people to engage with the brand or visit more pages on that first visit. Then we can look at, for that second and third visit, what pages are more effective. And that's where you just think of it as building blocks to solve the need. At the end of the day, if we can more quickly educate consumers on how a brand can help them or not help them or get answers to those questions, we're doing our job well. We're helping the brand engage with new people. We're helping consumers find products that can help help their lives a little bit and using ai as a tool and i think you're seeing a lot of smaller use cases and you're seeing much bigger ones like the generative ai is the one getting a lot of buzz because it's it's new but it's been worked on for a long time there's still things to sort through like the new york times is suing i believe they're suing was it open ai but they're suing a couple of those generative companies because they're saying hey it was built on our content and there used to be this doctrine that anything on the internet was kind of fair game, but they're saying, no, that's our content, that's our business, is that content. So you can't use it to create new content. So I think there's still some things to sort through, even on the generative side, like all those images that are being generated, well, they were built upon someone's physical work. And so it'll be interesting to see where the courts land on where that is, because that will that could change the trajectory Either way, then you're gonna have different rules in the U.S. than you might in China, than you might in Europe, and it's uh, still a little bit of the wild west, if you will.
0: That's the fun part. Sometimes you log on to these social medias and it still has that wild west feel, or you're like, man, like this place is wild. Like, you know, you know, like how's like this stuff happening? So for the AI and you're talking about the analytics for it, I interviewed this gentleman who wrote and directed a movie called Hemisphere. So he worked for Hollywood, then he went into his own thing. And so he makes this this movie and he ran his script through this AI software and was able to tweak some of the things that he had or, you know, like and show, I guess, analytically like, oh, this is a trope used here, uh, you know, and you maybe should change this or like this should be brought up earlier or later. Uh, you know, so he put together, you know, 99.9% of the script himself. Then you run it through here to just clean up all of your stuff and show you different different ways, different avenues you can go. I, I thought that was so fascinating as he was telling me that. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy with that. So we have AI coming, you're, you know you're you're prepared for that and what you're doing. So you talk about some of your advertisements can show up on web pages. As people are scrolling through whatever article they're reading, you know they're on the New York Times. and here you go on the side is is the Italian restaurant that you're you're working with. What's the click rate goal for you to get through that advertisement? How many people actually click on those advertisements?
1: Yeah, very few. We've actually seen you know where we can track down funnel conversions, you know people buying a product or a ticket or whatever. We've seen over 98 percent of conversions actually follow the impression not the click very few people want to click because again if you're on that new york times article and you're reading you're there because you're reading that article you don't necessarily want to be diverted but you if if the ad's effective and that's why all of our ads are animated and highly visual if it's effective it'll just stick it say hey i need to check that website out what we actually see is our client's website traffic grows significantly from the campaign but most of it comes from people who see the ad and then find the website after seeing the ad, not clicking on it.
0: Right. So I don't think I've ever intentionally clicked. Maybe I'm just looking around. I'm like, oh, I didn't mean to click that. That's got to be, you know, it's, it's yeah. spam. There's I'm, very know, few. The I clicked on a
1: few because in that moment I really needed to learn about that. But not. It's not often. But then we have the data that shows the uh, these campaigns are still are still effective.
0: Yeah, and that's what i'll do if i like something i'll, I'll sit there and open up another browser you know their page yeah. or whatever and go through that way like you also hear of like you know sometimes the elderly and they're like you fell for that scam of the the prince in africa that was going to send you all this bitcoin like how did any of this happen like how do you put this out to people but you know so i guess it's good some people do click on it yeah what is your goal for the future what, what's happening you know in the next few years
1: you know our, our goal is to make world-class advertising accessible to everyone small businesses employ over half the people in this country And they're the backbone of our economy. And so giving them access to things they wouldn't otherwise have access to to help them grow their business is our our priority. So we envision a future where we're going to start providing in the near future some advanced measurement techniques like that marketing mix, which I may not have mentioned to you from Frito-Lay, but we ran a marketing mix where we could put everything we were doing and look at how effective it is in driving our growth for a specific brand. We're going to offer that to small businesses, except do it maybe on their Google Analytics and say... This is how the culmination of your advertising strategy is, is contributing. Here's what you could assign for different channels, but here's the combination that's most effective. And use automation and AI to help inform that. So these small businesses don't have to find somebody they can't afford that has that capability, but use our software to have that capability and help them, help them grow. And as long as they're willing to look at it and continue to try to get better and by better reduce friction for the customer, hone their product price, promotional strategy placement, you know, the four Ps, then it's a, it's another tool to help them grow. You're nationwide or you, you use just use Dallas Fort Worth as an example, but you're nationwide. No, right? We operate nationwide. We've actually run campaigns in over 14 countries. So we do have some overseas clients as well. Worldwide domination. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think our focus is the U S cause I think we have the best handle on, at, on, ad targeting and, and the inventory availability and and but yeah we're we're happy to help anyone that we can help. That's great. You know the metaverse didn't kick off you know as Zuckerberg launched that. But we're we're
0: in the near future of a larger virtual reality and people logging in all the time. Do you have any thoughts for that? Do you have any plans of, of how you can you know there's gonna be marketing there's gonna be advertisements in that at some point. Does this something that you think like in the in the back of your
1: mind is a little shift to scratch. You know, I think the way that I I think about it. this came from an entrepreneurship class from when I was at Northwestern um, in business school. Is there's this whole thing of the fast follower is the one that generally wins a category, and the reason for that is the the one who invents the category a lot of times has to iron out a lot of kinks. Now it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, um, it doesn't mean that that first mover doesn't sometimes succeed. But generally speaking, there's a lot to iron out, and because we're, our focus is that automation that granular advertising that small small business or that local business it could be a franchise that's got thousands of units but we're setting up campaigns around each of those franchise units we have the benefit of saying hey what's going to stick and then we can look at how do we develop the automation to make it accessible to the masses because when these things start they start with the focus on the biggest spenders the folks with the biggest pocketbooks and marketing budgets and then after it gets honed and it starts to become accessible that's where we can that's where we can jump in. So we don't have to bet on on various things. We can respond relatively quickly as we see the markets moving in a direction versus having to guess which direction it's moving. Okay, I like that too. That's great. Yeah. Do you have any other roads you think we should cover? To- no, look, I think marketing marketing's just, I think even from this conversation reinforces, marketing's an industry where people, everybody's a consumer of it and everybody's got opinions, but there is a there is a defined strategy behind it and an approach and ways to think about it and so if anyone's interested in learning more they could visit our website we've got a free marketing blog we've got a a marketing 101 series you don't need to log in you don't need to do anything you can just watch it for free if you're interested in learning more on how you think about that science of consumer consumer influence but no marketing's just one piece of the pie that's just reaching new people and getting new people to the doorstep, there's still th- those four P's, you know, price, product, placement, and promotion are really what's what's critical. So we can have, we can take two, I'll give you minor league baseball teams, do pretty much the same thing for both of them. And they may see very different results based on factors beyond our our control. And I think we're in this day and age where people are just want to say, I put a dollar in, I want to know I made $2 back. And if you're looking for that simplicity, then you're going to limit your own growth when it comes to marketing. It really comes down to looking at other KPIs beyond just sales to assess how healthy is your business for long-term growth. Right. There's not that just blanket
0: advertising, even though made, uh, minor league baseball is in many different cities. But, you know, there's a, a Trenton minor league team that was uh, affiliated with the Yankees at one point. But, you know, they wouldn't advertise to the central North Jersey crowd the same way you would to like the Savannah Bananas, the the team that do all the fun things. You know, you just can't have this blanket thing going out there like that.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think if you take a step back and say, most simply, marketing, good marketing is about reaching the right people, doing so in appropriate frequency and presenting a compelling message. And if you do that, you'll get people on the doorstep. But to pull them through and drive sales requires a lot more than just good marketing. And I think that's the biggest mistake we see people make. If if we're that easy, every everybody'd be a billionaire by now. I wish it was that easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, are you seeing that these businesses? You know, obviously they're getting you know their ROI on it. They're coming back to you. They're doing different campaigns. I guess you're not getting insight into their financial. Like, what, what's their growth rate? Like, this is obviously pretty good for coming back to you.
1: Yeah. Look, it, it varies. What we always promise is we can reach new customers for them or new potential customers more efficiently than any other form of advertising in the world. That's what we promise, what we can control. And I think when we're clear on our role and the things we can't do, that's when it builds trust. And we'll be the first to tell them, we can't guarantee this is going to grow your business because there's a lot more to the to driving that growth than just advertising. But what we can guarantee is we will get new people to your website.
0: That's fair. That's all you can really ask for. Right. So you're taking new clients on, right? You're you're looking for Absolutely. anybody who needs help for marketing.
1: Where can somebody find you? What's the best way to reach you? You know, the best thing to do is visit us at awarity.com, a w a r i t y.com. You can request the demo of our platform and, you know, we'll learn about your business and we may we could even come back with a proposal and and tell you how we might target people, but that's the best place to start and see a demo of the platform. See if it, see if it's something that could help you. And we'll be the first to say, if it's not the right time, you know, we've had businesses that were maybe just getting going and they don't have a lot of free cash. And so what we'll encourage them to do is, Hey, maybe they should just do some local networking. That's just time and energy. And that's how we got some clients early on. And, you know, just shake hands, meet people, see if you can get some business that way. See what the patterns are. See what your positioning needs to be. See what's resonating with the market, and then get to a place where maybe you can add some search where those are people most close to purchasing. Then maybe you add a little social. And then after you get those going, then come to come to us, you know and 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 we're happy to help because the last thing we want to do is if somebody's got limited resources is have an unrealistic expectation of what marketing do when they haven't even they haven't even made a ton of sales yet. And there's a lot they're going to learn from those other steps before they get they get to us. Doesn't mean we won't help them if they want it, but we'll be the first to tell them, hey, maybe you should focus on these other areas first. I
0: think it's refreshing. You know, you're you're building that relationship with them. So many people, I'm sure, businesses like, yeah, of course, just give us your money, and then six months later yeah. th- they're out. You know, that doesn't help the community. That doesn't help your your clientele. Uh, so I, th- I think that's good for there. What is your sweet spot, like number wise? Like, what are you looking
1: for, like for a business? Is it like ten to hundred people? Is this? You know, I think. Again, this is a rough rule of thumb because I think there's always a lot of exceptions. But I think for us, I think if you're north of a million dollars a year in revenue, that's probably a good time to start thinking about us. There may be some businesses where it's less. There may be some businesses where it's more. But that's kind of thumb in the air, a decent spot where you say, no, I I need to really expand my reach if I want to grow this.
0: So you mentioned earlier that there was a $299 a month service that you offered. Is is that the there's there's tiers of this I assume, or is this
1: just your absolutely? Flat? It's it's scalable. You know what'll happen is a business will come to us. They'll say this is who I serve. This is where I want to reach. We'll put it through our media planning tools, which we're eventually going to make you know accessible, very easy for people to look at themselves and say, hey, this is what we think you should spend. And if, and if they want to spend less, we'll just say, hey, we should just narrow the geography so we're not spreading ourselves too thin. To help a lot
0: of businesses out there, I, th- I think people have you know the best goals in mind that they want to do, but then you either reach a part, you, you reach a point where you want to just jump ahead where you should be, where there's steps to this process. Uh, and then knowing, hey, if you're within that like million dollar range sale, you know maybe you need some help with your marketing and then you guys are there to help them grow. Absolutely. So We'll push everybody. I'll put all the socials that, that I have for you. We'll put them in the show notes. People can come find you. New business, old business, come check them out. Awareness is, is the way to go. I sincerely appreciate your time. Open door. Everyone come back. I'm going to talk about the, the future of what's going on. We're here for you. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Take care. Thank you. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.